Hey, happy Friday. Welcome to the three things I learned, SaaS Sports Second Live events. Today, we're going to talk about the three laws of raising funding, which we tend to ignore and suggest others do. So there is a lot of advice online when it comes to raising capital and starting a business. Now, we've been doing the entrepreneur thing for 15 long years. We can talk about our experience and what we've learned and seen in doing so. We've been through a number of capital raise rounds. We've done some fundraising for other people as well, and we've run a couple of processes. So we've seen these things. Now, there's a lot of ways to raise money, and a lot of them are glamorized. However, raising money is about finding a partner. And it's very different than you might expect. It's about finding somebody who's going to be intimately involved in your business and in your life for a very long time. If things go well, anywhere from five to 15 years without the outliers. So sure, you're going to want to sell them, right? And there's a lot of advice out there on how to best sell them, which we're going to talk about in a second. But it's not like selling a house or a car where you're going to go your own way. They're going to be involved with what you're doing going forward. So it's incredibly important that there is a counterbalance in the discussions that you're having. It is a two-way street. So we've been blessed over the years to spend a lot of time with some very prominent investors, many of which do not have large social media uh, influence, nor are they prominent on the conference uh, tours, and they don't talk often about what they're doing. We've learned a whole lot from them. So let's get started. These are the three laws of raising money that we see online regularly that we think are best ignored. The number one law we tend to advise to ignore is stop everything you're doing until you perfect your pitch deck. Now look, if you go online and look up founder pitch decks, VC pitch decks, there are people everywhere talking about the deck that raised me $500 million, or here's a class that you can take, or a course on how to create the perfect pitch deck. Even some really arrogant VCs boasting things like, you get three minutes of my time on my phone where I'm gonna look at a pitch deck. And we're gonna address that in a second, just how reckless and ridiculous that is. Now, a great deck is incredibly helpful, right? And it's very necessary for you to go through your story hundreds, if not thousands of times to make it as compelling as possible and as brief as possible. However, time is your most precious resource. And early in the business, too often founders are given the advice that they're supposed to spend all their time here and not on making sure the trains start running on time. You know, great investors, the ones that you're looking for, they're looking for great companies. They're competing with other investors and they're going to spend the time to try to find them. You know, for them, a bad idea, that's not worth fixing. Incapable founders, they're not worth putting any effort into. But a deck? A story that maybe isn't as clear as it should be? I mean, that can be fixed really quick by experts who have experienced and terrific mentors that they can call on or even plug into your business right away. Let me give you a really simple example in the real world. Brock Lesnar was longtime WWE heavyweight champion. And to be a prominent professional wrestler, you generally have to be good on the microphone. You have to be a compelling character. Now, Brock can do everything in wrestling pretty well, except for be on the microphone. He's terrible. So what did the WWE do? Did they turn him away after looking at his deck for three minutes? No. They took Paul Heyman, who is a very well-known showman, to be Brock Lesnar's advocate and manager. They took that piece of the business off of his plate so he could shine doing something else and he's one of their biggest draws. That's gonna be a very regular trend when you're talking to great investors. They're going to plug your holes, especially the easy holes, like having a bad pitch deck or something that's too long or not clear. And trust me on this one, our early decks were rough. We were in our mid 20s, we knew nothing about raising capital, we went out and did it ourselves. And as a side note, I'm pretty sure or hope that great LPs are not impressed by an investor who goes on Twitter, and this happened, and says that they're going to pass on ideas after giving them a tertiary look on their phone for you know less than three minutes. That's not the job. It's arrogant and it's reckless. 
that's not a partner you're gonna want in your foxhole, especially if things go bad. That's law number one. Focus on your pitch deck, make it a very good one, but run your business too. And if you're losing out on an investor because of your pitch deck, well, that's an investor you don't want in the first place. That's number one. Number two, real CEOs don't hire a banker. This is for our Series B and later uh, businesses. We hired a banker to run a process in our Series B, which is in 2015. Wow, we started that process because we had some inbound interest from a couple of different strategics and we wanted to look at, raise, we wanted to look at raising some capital so we could grow the business further. We were openly mocked, especially given the fact that we were founders. All three of us had a sales background. Why would we ever need a banker to go tell the story for us? Now, what we really wanted to do was run the parallel path. We wanted to look at what was happening strategically and look at investors while being able to run the business ourselves. You see, we had, we had raised a Series A in 2013, and it took so much of our time that we saw a noticeable difference in our numbers. Remember, I was still the number one sales guy at the time. What we needed was somebody who was an expert who could help take all of that operational work off our plate. Our hope was to get maybe an offer on the strategic side, between one and three offers for a Series B capital raise. And that's what we were instructed by our bankers we were gonna get. Um, we ended up with 11 term sheets, many from funds that we never would have found ourselves, including the fund that we eventually did raise from, which has been a wonderful success for us. Hire a good banker and focus on running your business. Anybody who tells you otherwise is saying you're wasting money on paying a banker, I wouldn't say so. There is so much paperwork that needs to be done. And it's really helpful when you're going into negotiating your next marriage that you don't have to play good cop, bad cop yourself. You have somebody in between that can help you as you're having discussions and negotiations about what that's going to look like going forward. If you need one, uh, we hired JP Diddy from KPMG. We've also used Stephen Miller from Leonis. They've been fantastic. Number two, real CEOs don't hire a banker. Nah, that's just false. And number three, meet with everyone you can, including associates. We find this to be false. Um, don't meet with associates in person and keep the initial call if you're going to have one with them to about 15 minutes or less. Again, your time is your most precious commodity. Now, we'll elaborate on this in a second in case anybody's upset. It doesn't mean be rude, blow them off, or disrespectful of their time, right? Associates are a major reason that a lot of deals get done. And many of them are gonna rise to prominence while you're still running this business and you're gonna need to have that conversation later and have those connections later. Send them everything they need to evaluate your business. You're going to have it in one place, but just don't travel anywhere to meet with them or spend longer than 20 minutes with them without having a decision maker in the room. Now, what I'm saying is really unfair to the great associates, especially the ones who are gonna climb the ladder later on. They mean well and they respect the process. Unfortunately, too many associates are industry tourists. They're just looking for busy work and they're gonna waste a whole lot of your time. Can you tell that's happened to us multiple times? Be insistent on a decision maker attending or don't go to the meeting. It's just that simple. Unfortunately for us, you know, we had too many funds that pulled a bait and switch, said there would be a decision maker there. We flew up there, drove over there, did whatever we need to do for it, only to get the bait and switch at the end. That's a pass on both sides. That's them politely passing on you, but more importantly, that's somebody you're gonna to wanna to pass on. Be really deliberate when you raise money for your business because you're the one who's going to be there for years, focusing the vast majority of your time on that business. You know, that's not gonna be the case for your eventual partner. Most funds have diversification built in. They're going to spread their risk out. They're not gonna have time to do that. You're gonna spend the vast majority of your time on this business unless you're Jack Dorsey. There's so much pressure in that raise process. I totally understand it. We made every mistake we could along the way. We made some mistakes that are 
incredibly unbelievable as well, such as negotiating a term seat with one fund and accidentally sending it to the fund that they were negotiating against. If you haven't done that, well, we'll tell you all about it in a future three things. Sometimes you're just gonna feel like you wanna get the money as a validation and how bad can it be when you hire the next partner? Just trust us. We've seen an angel investor leave us during the biggest financial meltdown of eight years and left us holding the bag with $500,000 due to us. We've also had fantastic investors that have been with us for more, more than 10 years and on the B round more than five years. They've been supportive of us through a pandemic, which scared the heck out of us, and even through a live event sh shutdown and a couple of different aborted takeover bids. Take the time to find the good ones. Trust me, I can show you some scars. That's it for this week's three things. We hope it's helpful. We'll see everybody next week on The Three Things.